GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. We're going to look at the Financial Intelligence Unit's work. It was established in 1996 to gather and analyse intelligence related to criminal conduct. Uh, We're talking about money laundering as well as the financing of terrorism. And, uh, and and it's our pleasure to welcome to the studio the director of the Financial Intelligence Unit, Edgar Lopez. Good afternoon to you, Edgar. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, you've just published an annual report as well as a three-year strategic plan. Uh, let's start off by looking back, as it were, uh, at, at recent years. What were the main themes that you've covered? So we've uh, produced two documents, the, the the annual report and a strategic analysis document, which is in one document. And then we also, as you just mentioned, we've also produced and drafted a three-year strategic plan uh, that will help the the FIU in in guiding us through through the journey uh, over the next uh, the next three years. Uh, it's a very high level uh, document, um, which which is based on four. Uh, priorities and and that is something which slightly changed to the previous one that we had the the previous three year uh, uh, strategic plan which was based on six priorities uh, but i think it, it, you know it encapsulates everything that we that we need to to look at with regards to the annual report and strategic analysis the, well look the annual report provides us with a a very good tool uh, to be able to look at the progress that we've made over the last uh, the last year in 2022, just covering everything, all our achievements, um, our challenges, um, you know, um, and everything that encompasses everything within the FIU that we've done during that year, uh, and it does provide us with. Um, you know, a measure of our performance. Let, um, let, let's um, let's uh, strip it back to the basics, if you don't mind, for, for a listener who's not familiar with the work of the Financial Intelligence Unit. What is financial intelligence? Yeah, financial intelligence is all that uh, information that comes into uh, a financial intelligence unit. We are the hub of intelligence related to uh, suspicious activity reports. Uh, we receive those reports from reporting entities who are, enti- who are, who are obliged by uh, the process of Crime Act to report into us. Once those reports are received, then we conduct analysis on, on those reports and determine whether the suspicion that's been raised by the reporter, uh, which are called money laundering reporting officers or nominated officers in, in, in some sectors, we then analyze that, that data, enhance that information, and if we see that there is potential for what we call actionable intelligence, then that is disseminated to local law enforcement, the the RGP customs, or we may disseminate that information to foreign uh, law enforcement through secure means that we have through our membership of the Ekman Group of Financial Intelligence. And through that, we have access to over 165 countries uh, that are members of of the Ekman Group. So there's, there's, um, there's the suspicion that we receive and that report is then sort of churned into intelligence. So, so the initial suspicion could be, for example, at a gaming company uh, that sees a transaction and it says, or, or looks at a client's profile and says, "Oh, I'm, I'm worried about this. Uh, there could be some money laundering risk here. I'm go- I need to now contact the financial intelligence unit." That's that's correct. So. Uh, it's a suspicion that is based purely on that uh, reporting officer that's submitted into us through a secure uh, platform that we have. 
Um, and then, like I said, it's, it's analyzed. We then enhance that intelligence. Most of those reports that are coming in, and especially uh, like you've just mentioned, the, the, the gaming uh, sector is one of the biggest disclosures to us. And it obviously creates a, you know, a huge burden on the FIU because of the, the large volume of, of those reports. But again, we have to have systems in place that we need to look at those reports and analyse every single one of them. And when you say a large burden, uh, you're talking about 3,267 um, reports in 2021, almost 3,000 again in 2022. So you're practically looking at one a day. One, one per working day? Well, I can tell you from the, the latest figures last week... Sorry, we, 10 per working day. I was, I was going to say that last week we had, I think it was 110 reports uh, during the week. Uh, so when you, you know, um, uh, allocate those to our financial intelligence officers, obviously that makes, um, you know, a, a burden on, on, on the system. Um, but, but I think, look, we've got um, excellent uh, software to deal with that and we've got state-of-the-art technology to be able to look at those ana uh, analysis especially from crypto because that is an another challenge it's the technology that's being used in 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 that criminal activity which obviously raises um you know the the, the training requirements at the fiu and that technology that is used to uh, analyze the, that that data so for the past uh, two years, uh, you, you've had uh, about, well, just over 82%, 83%, in fact, 83% of all suspicious activity reports were um, came from gaming, and then the second largest volume was from uh, distributed ledger technology providers, um, accounting for 11 and 8% in the past two years, respectively. Uh, so, so gaming and, and DLT are, are, provide the largest number of suspicious activity That's reports. That's correct. So those are the two largest uh, disclosures at the moment. But again, it doesn't mean that we only receive crypto-related crime just from uh, the DLT, the distributed ledger technology. We receive information from suspicious activity from the banks that may have seen suspicious activity as a result of that uh, of you know of, of cryptocurrencies. So the banks are, are the third sector that account for the highest um, or the third highest volume no, of That's reports. Right. That's right. And and again with the banks, we've done a lot of outreach with them. Uh, we've um, introduced or established a a public private partnership, which is a massive step. Uh, in, into the future of, of tackling uh, money laundering and terrorist financing and proliferation financing. Uh, PPPs have now become uh, quite common in many, many jurisdictions. What, what is that? It's a public-private partnership. Oh, sorry. So yeah, we yeah, yeah. have a partnership that we've signed an agreement with the local banks, uh, and it includes uh, the police, the FIU, um, uh, Financial Services Commission and also Customs. So, so you are the public entity as well as Customs and, and the RGP and then private, we've got the, the, the banks is the, is the private the gaming sector companies. From, no, just the, the banks. So we've started with the banks. Uh, it is a very similar model to what we have in the UK. Uh, the UK's version is called Jimlet, uh, the Joint Money Laundering Intelligence Task Force. They they uh, have a number of, of banks with them as well and obviously from from the public sector. Uh, they've got the, the the police and and other other law enforcement agencies, but they are very effective. Uh, and 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 this is something that we've established over here, and we want to start working in terms of operational and also strategic objectives. Okay, and in terms of uh, you know what it is that is uh, the the activity that is potentially criminal, most often it's money laundering. That's right. Um, money laundering is the major. Um, 
sort of a suspected criminality that's reported into us, and the second one is fraud. Uh, so that's the predicate offence. Now, when we receive a report, there might be a different report that's been reported into us, and it is up to the financial intelligence officer that's dealing with that particular report that may change the category of that, and then we inform the the MLRO of that of that change. We also provide feedback to every single SAR, especially um, you know those that are um, you know in terms of having wh whether those reports are either meeting the standard or not meeting the standard, then that increases the quality of the report that we're receiving. And we've seen a, you know, we're really pleased that we've seen a, a good quality report that's been submitted, submitted by uh, the, the, the private sector. Okay, and in terms of managing uh, these risks, uh, technology, as you've suggested already in your answers, plays a really important role because of the, the sheer volume of it. No? That's right, and, and I think that we've excelled in 2020 just looking at, um, you know, through that strategic analysis, looking at our own gaps and vulnerabilities that we've identified internally. So we've made a number of... Um, innovative um, you know processes that we've introduced and I think that we are as an FIU we are in a very good place at the moment um, but of course uh, the workload has increased uh, significantly um, if you look at the statistics from last year um, there was a decrease in the SARS that were submitted so I think it was 11% decrease in comparison to the data from 2021 um, but that doesn't mean that the volume of work has come down. The The volume has increased in other areas. And nowadays we've got a, a number of working groups that we that we address and we've got a lot of work internationally. Uh, outreach is also uh, another another area that we work on. And of course, those, um, you know, as a result of the invasion of Ukraine, the, the request from a number of entity of, of reporting entities uh, asking information about and, and some guidance on on sanctions okay so so um a lot of focus then on on the financial action task forces uh, recommendations uh, the organization is the global money laundering and terrorist financing watchdog um, they have asked for uh, more activity in respect of pursuing regulatory sanctions and pursuing final confiscation judgments so the the role of the gfiu has been to to provide intelligence uh, that may lead to potential uh, regulatory sanctions but you are not the regulator you you do not actually issue those sanctions absolutely so we uh, engage so if if you look at it as as part of the framework of of, of AML and and CFT that's money laundering and terrorist financing uh, we oh the FIU is the central hub of that intelligence so um it is one of the biggest um um sort of cogs within that mechanism and we share intelligence with financial services commission with legal services regulators uh, regulatory authority uh, with the office of fair trading uh, and also with a gambling commission uh, so yes we provide intelligence for that and and therefore we're a key sort of piece in in that in that process for the FATF Okay, Edgar, and if I can ask you, you've spoken there about the international dimension and the fact that uh, you, you have to, uh, because of the uh, interconnected world in which we live, um, cooperate with your international partners. Um, but um, in terms of uh, your actual team, the Financial Intelligence Unit, uh, how many are you and, and are there enough of you, given the growing volume of work? Uh, so we, we are 10 in, in total and there is a... 
um, you know, a, an organizational chart, which which is on our website. Um, yes, we would want more um, more staff, and like any, I think any other organization, because the volume of work uh, is is increasing. Um, but like I said, I think there is also a balance, creating that balance between the demand versus resources, and looking at technology to be able to do that. And I think if we go to the you know our new strategic plan, a three-year strategic plan. I think we've got some exciting projects that I'd like to start uh, in terms of machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to deal with the volume of those of those reports. But of course, there's always going to be uh, a human element to, to be able to analyze those reports. So um, part of the intelligence in the Gibraltar Financial Intelligence Unit will be artificial? Artificial intelligence. So that's, <laughs> that's my, my intention to have something in place like other FIUs are now, are now doing. All right. Uh, before we leave you then, um, eNexus, congratulations on that recent uh, government award for excellence and innovation. You already pointed to the fact that you think AI and machine learning is going to um, be one of the areas of opportunity for you. Uh, let me um, finish off by asking you what you think the main challenge will be for the Financial Intelligence Unit as you uh, look ahead to the next three years. The main challenges are going to be the volume of work that, that we have and that demand, which uh, it doesn't seem to be decreasing, uh, and also the complexity of crime. Because, look, criminal activity remains, or the criminal offences rather, remain the same. Money laundering is money laundering. Uh, all terrorist financing is going to be terrorist financing. But it's actually looking at how the, the, the money is laundered and what sort of products they're using. And that is a big challenge for the FIU trying to keep up with the latest technology. Okay, Edgar Lopez, thank you so much uh, for joining us. If you'd like to read those reports, you should put uh, Gibraltar Financial Intelligence Unit into your search engine and they're posted uh, on the website and we'll make sure that we link to them uh, before the end of the day on our website too. Thank you and best of luck thank you, with the volume of work. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. A joint pensioners convention uh, has been launched today. It includes members from Unite the Union, the uh, Gibraltar General and Clerical Association, the Teachers Union and also the Senior Citizens Association. They're hoping to work in a cooperative manner for the improvement of pensioners' lives across the community. Uh, how will they work exactly? How often will they meet? How can you get in touch? Uh, for, to answer those questions and others, uh, good afternoon to Charlie Bishop. Thank you for joining us, Charlie. Good afternoon, Jonathan. How pleasure, are you? Pleasure to be here. It's great, yeah. Thank you. You've you've just literally launched this um, in, in the past hour. That's right. Uh, we've literally just launched um, this Joint Pensioners uh, Convention. It's something that happens in the UK as well, where unions get together for retired members and, and, and look after their rights. And essentially what we want to do is fill the void that was left by uh, Mr. Manolo Ruiz, who did sterling work for pensioners, informing them and so on. Uh, and we want, we want to fill that void, basically. Um, it, and, it's a uh, growing demographic. There are more and more pensioners in our society. Absolutely right. It's a growing demographic. We, thi we think, I'm not quite sure myself, to be honest with you, but uh, if you look at about 18% of the population, it's about 5,000 it's a lot of people. Uh, pensioners, there's a lot of people. At the moment, things are a bit uh, a bit without a voice, and that's what we want to do. We want to give pensioners a voice, and we're going to be listening to them. We're going to be using um, research methods uh, to 
extract uh, data. And once we have the data, then we'll know what the main issues are and we can go forward with them and maybe and speak to the relevant authorities and stakeholders and come up with some solutions. It makes a lot of sense because, um, as you say, Manolo used to do such great work. Yes. Um, and and you, even then, you got the sense that he had a lot on his plate. There were a lot of issues that people were coming to him with. People, uh, perhaps because of their age, who felt that they sometimes needed help using, uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, electronic platforms, for example, mm -hmm. that are available for them to feed back to the government yep. and to authorities. Um, what do you think the main areas of work will be for the convention right well i don't want to pre we don't want to preempt anything because like i say it's going to be data led mm -hmm. so we want to listen to pensioners first find out what kinds of problems they have in terms of maybe accessing government services and so on and then we'll take it from there but obviously all of us have senior citizens who we know And we do have some ideas, you know, that some people might have difficulty, I don't know, in renewing a passport or accessing uh, medical services and so on. You know, again, I, I don't want to sound as if I'm coming up with criticism no, because but... until I hear what is actually, what are the, the issues, then we're going to highlight those issues and we'll speak to the relevant authorities about it and see if we can come up with some solutions. We all have anecdotal um, evidence, no? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Of, of people who have those difficulties in, in, in all areas of that, or in all age groups, if you like. Mm -hmm. but, um, but you're going to be championing uh, pensioners. Yes, and it's, and it's not only the three unions. We're obviously working with the Gibraltar Senior Citizens Association, which is run by uh, Rob Chandler, who's taken it over, and so he's going to have the help of the three unions as well, and uh, we'll join our re uh, resources, and that should, you know, we should make a thorough job of it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar, Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines, and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.